This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Can we pray for a moment, please? (laughs) Uh, Holy Father, uh, we thank you for being with us in this place. We thank you for being faithful. Um, for being loving and kind. And I just pray that uh, your word takes root in our lives and that your Holy Spirit moves and leads us and grows the fruitfulness in us. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. So a few weeks, well, actually a few days ago, uh, my dad got my youngest son this book. Uh, Batman's Guide to Being Cool. Um, and it breaks down all the ways Batman is cool. Uh, and it kind of tells you how you can be cool too. Um, it has great chapters like uh, Batman's Guide to Discovering Your Inner Cool, Meeting Mega Cool Friends, Defeating Your Enemies, Making a Mega Cool Impression, Arriving in a Mega Cool Style, Being a Crime Fighting Machine. Uh, having mega cool fun, and accepting help from your mega cool friends. Uh, uh, gosh, if only it was that easy, huh? There, there's actually um, some good advice. There's a couple good lists in here of uh, things to do and how, how to act. Uh, but even when it's laid out in a simple, easy-to-follow, Batman-approved fashion, it's not that easy. Um, as one Amazon reviewer put it, I have tried to follow these steps. But I am still not cool. I even eat lobster while swimming. But ladies do not flock to me. (laughs) Um, Poor guy, huh? Uh, So what happens when you you follow these rules and things don't work out the way you hoped they would? Things don't work the way you planned. Or they don't mean what you think they'd mean. Let me set this down. Um, That's the conflict in the book of Galatians. Um, they loved Jesus. The Galatians loved Jesus. Um, there are lots of faithful Jewish folk that um, had spent their lifetime following the rules. Rules that told them how to live, how to pray, how to love, how to be a good neighbors. And they're good rules. They're good laws that they followed. Because when taken all together, they pointed to who God is and who we are and how humanity and God can relate to one another. Um, they were the same laws that Jesus was raised under, that he followed, mostly. Um, They're good laws. But then, all of a sudden, a new sort of person started coming around. And they started, they they thought they had an experience with God, and they wanted to worship too. They wanted to join along. And the church had to struggle with, what does that mean? Um, Because if the law was good and it pointed to God, then shouldn't those new believers have to follow those laws too? And so the new believers were forced to follow the Jewish laws, um, even though they weren't what they'd grown up with. Um, so people, were, they were trying to say, no, no, you should do this. You should, you should follow this too. Um, but Paul, he had a problem with this. Paul, who wrote Galatians, he had a problem with that. He was called to be a missionary to Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jewish people. And he wanted to share the love of Jesus with everyone. And he saw a problem with the law because he pointed out that God had already come to the Gentiles. The point of the law is to point to God. 
and to point the people to God. But God had already showed up in Jesus. God put on human skin. So he lived and he prayed and he did all these human things. And he even died, just like a person. But then he broke death, right? The grave couldn't keep him down. He rose again. And we didn't have to have laws to point to God because God showed up. We didn't need something to tell us how to relate to God because we could actually have a relationship with God through Jesus. Because Jesus gave each person that believed in him the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a part of God that lives within each believer that teaches us and guides us and helps us to be empowered to live as he lived. And the faithfulness of God was greater than the Jewish Christians' obedience to their laws. Right? Because God was being revealed to a new people. They were experiencing God's love, and they followed him. Even though they weren't raised in the Jewish manner, somehow they knew grace and they knew forgiveness without ever knowing the law. Because God's grace is for all. The people weren't saved because they were really good at following the rules. They were saved because God loved them. Because God is trustworthy. Because God is good. God is faithful to his creation. And we know this because of Jesus, God in human skin, who came and lived, was crucified and rose again, and invited all of us to come and join him. And that was going, was going on in Galatians, right? In Galatia, a conflict with those that have kept the rules and that were doing the right things all of their lives, and they're now being told, well, it's grace. It's grace. God's faithful love is greater than their lifetime of obedience. Um, that's the context of the verses we've been studying for the past five weeks or so. Uh, Galatians 5, to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Got those two mixed up. Um, against such thing, there is no law. It's my first memory verse as a new Christian at the age of 15. The, the first verse that I learned. And this is the evidence that the Holy Spirit lives within us, right? These fruits don't come from obedience to the law. They don't come from following the rules. They're an outward evidence of the inward work of the Spirit of God taking root in our lives. And all the fruit of the Spirit's, their seeds of the Holy Spirit's planted in the heart of every believer. We loved because he loved us. We have joy because he rejoices in our repentance. We have peace because he is the author of peace. We have patience because he is patient with us, not willing for us to perish, but come to everlasting life. We're kind because his loving kindness is better than life. We are good because we're growing like our father who is good. We are gentle because his yoke is gentle. And we are faithful because he is faithful. And that's kind of where I want to park today, faithfulness. Um, we can have faith in God because he's a God who is faithful. We can trust him. Hebrews 11 is often called the Hall of Faith. It's a great sermon in and of itself. Like, if you just read that, that can be a sermon. Um, and really, we can spend weeks um, reading the example after example and then going back and looking at the Old Testament and reading it in the context of who Jesus is um, and the revelation of Jesus. But I want to focus just on Hebrews 11.1, 1, just the very first verse in there. And it's a great definition of faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Um, A faith is based on what God's done or is doing in our lives, right? But it points to the future. Um, Faith trusts that there is a future, that something's going to happen. Hope is the dream. Faith is the road we walk to get there. For example, say I want a house, right? Now, that's a dream. Now, I'm not wishing, right? I'm not wishing for the White House or like this underwater biosphere. Um, That would be a wish. But I hope for a house, right? A home with a yard my kids can play in, with enough room to have friends over. Um, A home. That's a hope, right? And because I have hope, right? And I want it to be a hope, not just a wish. So say I start putting aside money for a down payment, right? Trusting that somehow I'm going to get that house. Now that would be faith because there's substance, right? Stuff that happens because I have that hope, right? I start thinking maybe I shouldn't waste my money on this or that because I'm saving for a house. Maybe I start working extra jobs, um, you know, they take a second job or take an odd job because I start saving for that house. What I do changes. I change because of faith, because I have a hope that I'm moving towards. That's faith. And we're called to faithfulness, right? Called to live in the faith, trusting in the character and promises of God. And I, I want to read some of those to you. Um, I'm going to use Psalm 130 as my example. It gives a great list of God's attributes and promises. Uh, Psalm's right in the middle of the book. The book, the Bible. <laughs> um, the good book, the big book, um, the important book. So uh, Psalm 130, yeah. I, so let, let's listen to this. I'm going to start at verse 2, and I'm just going to go on to 13. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your inequity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions for us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Whoa, right? I mean, that is someone I can have faith in. Someone slow to anger, who heals, who saves from despair, who forgives, who is gracious, who's compassionate. That is someone I can have faith in. That is someone I need in my life. And Christ loves you. And he is calling you. And he says he is your hope. He is your future. You can have a home with him, right? You're called to a home, a life with God, where you are loved and accepted and healed and made whole. And because your hope is a home with God, we are called to walk in faith, to live in faith, called to faithfulness. 
to walk different, to talk different, to think different, to act different, because God loves us and is faithful to us. Not because of rules, not because of obligations, but because he loves us and we're learning how to love him. And I want to be like with him, right? I want to be like that. Not because I have to be, but because that is something worth being like, right? I'm not there yet. So I'm still far from being like God. You can ask my family, right? Ask my wife. (laughs) So uh, they can testify. (laughs) But I want to move to be like he is. I want to follow his example in faith. And hopefully I'm a better man today than I was yesterday, right? Because I'm learning to walk like him and talk like him and love like him and serve like him. Not out of obligation, not out of show. In some ways, honestly, I think the older I get... Uh, the lot, I look a lot less pious than I used to. Because um, I used to worry a lot about looking like a good Christian, right? But I didn't spend that much time actually being a faithful Christian. And it's not enough to look good. We need to be good. We don't need to look loving. We need to be loving. We don't need to look faithful. We need to be faithful. And that means some things need to change in our life. Uh, I want to tell a Jesus, Jesus story. Um, and a few summers ago, this was presented as our church's biblical story. Um, I think two summers ago. Uh, it's one I love. Um, in Matthew 14, 22 to 23. I know I'm having you guys jump around, which is good. No, keep your fingers flexible. Um, And in the story, Jesus had just got done feeding 5,000 people, and he needed to get away. So it's Matthew 14, starting at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was alone The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Um... But there's a lot of stuff going on in this story, and that really deserves to be its own sermon, but I'm going to abbreviate it. Uh, There's a whole biblical tradition of water in the sea, which is actually one of my favorite topics to talk about. Um, But I want to put that aside a moment and just look at Peter. And he looks bad in the story, right? He sinks. Jesus calls him out on it, right? You man of weak faith. Um, And he is. But he's the only one that gets out of the boat. He's weak in his faith. His faith is small, small, tiny, like a mustard seed, right? Tiny, tiny, tiny faith. And despite the weakness of his faith, he's the only one that gets out of the boat. He may be weak in faith, 
but he's still faithful. The other disciples didn't have faith. They didn't get out there. There's a storm going on, right? They trust in that boat. That boat's going to keep them safe. And there's strong wind and there's strong waves tossing the boat about. They trust that boat. But who's safer? The person who gets out of the boat and moves, stumbling, sinking, crying out to Jesus? Or the people hiding out in the boat, trusting that the thing that they built will keep them safe? The boat's a lie, right? Can you say that with me real quick? Let's just say that. The boat's a lie. The boat's a lie. The boat can't keep you safe. So the question is, what's the boat? What's your boat? What are the lies that you tell yourself to keep yourself safe, to keep your heart safe? Are you trusting in the good marriage of being a good husband or a good wife or being a good child or having a successful career or being a good employee or being a good boss or being well-respected or being seen as intelligent or capable or religious or maybe holy? Maybe you have a boat like the Galatians, a lifetime of obedience, of being good at doing the right things, following all the rules. But the boat's a lie. Now, they're good things, right? I don't want to, like, be down on those things. Those are good things. Otherwise, you wouldn't build a boat around them, right? You want to build a boat out of good things. That's why we thought they'd keep us safe. They're good. And there are plenty of bad things we can talk about that people build boats out of, right? Addictions and healthy relationships, distractions, pride, greed, and the like. Um, we, but we know that those are bad boats. So that we can see that boat's rickety. But they're good boats, right? They're good things. They're things that you were told are the right things to do. And honestly, they are. They are the right things to do. It's good to be a good spouse. It's good to invest in your family. It's good to be a trusted employee. It's good to be a good boss. That's all good. But that's not where our faith is. That's not where our trust is. That's not going to save us. Good boats are bad boats. It's a lie. They don't save. The boat is a lie. Can we say it one more time? The boat is a lie. At any moment, that storm that you're afraid of can come in sweeping and destroy it all. And what's the storm that we're afraid of? Loneliness? not having the respect of those around you, feelings of failure, fear of divorce, of being inadequate, of feeling useless, of not being a good provider, of not being a real man or a real woman. The storm can take a million forms, and it's bad. It's threatening, right? It blows your life this way and about. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a storm. But in the middle of the storm, in whichever way, in whichever form it takes, is Jesus, and he calls, and he is offering hope in the storm. God is faithful. Can you say that with me? God is faithful. And as much as we trust in the boat that we've built, he is calling us to faith, to get out of the boat and to move towards him, to be vulnerable, to love boldly, recklessly, faithfully. He is our hope. Let's say it again. God is faithful. And the storm will be rough. Let's say it again. God is faithful. We might even start to sink, but God is faithful. That's what happened to Peter. He got out of the boat. He moved, and he started to sink. We may sink. The wind's blowing. The waves are crashing. But Jesus is there for Peter, and Jesus is there for you. One last time. 
God is faithful. You can have faith that he is faithful. He is trustworthy. The boat is a lie. God is faithful. He is our future. He is our hope. It is in him that you and I can have faith. We can move out of the boat with the gift of faithfulness for real hope, real healing, and real wholeness. Um, prayer team is in the back. Um, so I'm around. Pastor Todd's around. Any of us are around. We'd love to pray for you about any of the storms because we serve a God who is faithful. All right? And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.